0: Good morning. Let me invite you, if you would, to take your Bible and find the book of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 15, which comes right after chapter 14. John chapter 15, verse 1. This is kind of part two from last week. We talked about waiting on God and what that looked like. And I just want to add another layer to that this morning, if we could. John chapter 15, verse 1. Uh, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it may be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit of itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father's loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man should lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Now, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And this is my command, and that is to love one another. So last week we talked about waiting on God. What is it like to wait on God? And we used a little uh, illustration where I had someone stand in and hold up the card that was the God card, right? And someone stand up here and hold the situation card. And the God card was positioned here, and then the situation card was positioned. Here And I was in between God and the situation, and I was tapping my foot, looking at my watch, you know, waiting on God to hurry up and fix the situation, because I've got a situation in my life. Anybody got a situation in your life right now? Anybody? Okay, three of you, great. The rest of you haven't had enough coffee to know whether or not you have a situation. All right. So, we've all got problems, right? And my problems are big to me and small to you, and your problems are small to me, but you know, big to you, and that's how life is. And so we have this situation that comes up and we stand in between God and the situation and we're waiting on God. And sometimes we wait patiently, which means to wait patiently without complaining. I'm not very good at that. I like to complain to God about my situation and wonder why he doesn't come through when I want him to come through. And so that's what it means to wait on God. We wait and we're looking at a watch. When's he going to come through? Remember, God didn't wear a watch. There's no clocks in heaven. Aren't you glad? No alarm clocks in heaven. Aren't you glad? Amen or on me? Amen. Right. So, so God's not, God is not concerned about your watch. In God's eyes, time does not exist. It only exists with us. Uh, they've done experiments of people. They've taken their watch away, and so they can't tell time, and they're you know, locked into a room for a week, and they go, they go crazy because we're so accustomed to finding what time it is. Nowadays, if you take a, person's se- a teenager's cell phone away from them for three seconds, they go ballistic, right? <laughs> Pimples start breaking out. They start, you know, they just go nuts, right? It's, that's how society is. It's, it's amazing how people can't walk without their phone in front of them. It, you know, walk across the street, walk through the store. So anyway, waiting on God is when we position ourselves in between God and the situation. And it's real hard to focus on God or focus on the situation where we're standing in between the two, right? Okay. And so the second thing I told you last week was sometimes it's better to wait with God and I walked up and stood beside the person holding up the God card here and so waiting with God I get to see the situation like God sees it right so God what are you doing here how do you how do you feel about this situation and so God begins to explain to me Jim this is kind of what's taking place or he doesn't explain anything he said Jim just wait be patient there's time for everything we were that passage from Ecclesiastes right there's a time to do this is a time to do that and so we wait with God right so that's a good thing to do waiting with God we're sitting here we're Bible says we're seated with him in heavenly places and we're watching the situation trying to see the situation the way he sees it and that's a good thing because sometimes when you're having a situation and I look in your life it's like how do I respond as your pastor or if you're married how do I respond to my husband or my wife in the situation that they're in how do I do that and so as we wait with God, sometimes God reveals to us what the situation is about or how we can respond to it or not respond to it. You know, sometimes being quiet is a great thing, right? You go sit down with somebody and they're having a problem, they've got a situation. Sometimes just sitting there listening to them talk is a really good thing to do. You don't have to have an answer. You don't have to have an answer. But I want to tell you there's a third way of waiting on God, right? this is the third level the ultimate level of waiting on God and that's what Jesus is talking about here in this passage we wait on God we're in between God and the situation and so there's this battle going on we wait with God so we have more peace in our life but Jesus says I I want you to wait in me I want you to wait in me I want you to be in Christ so if I had a coat that I could put on that represented Christ I would put my coat on right now and the outside of the coat would have the word Christ on it. You can kind of imagine that for a minute. Waiting in Christ is a whole nother level. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, I want you to remain. I want you to abide in me. Because when I get outside of Christ, even though I'm sitting beside God, I'm still outside of Christ. I'm still in a good place. God's not mad. I'm not in the best place I could be. When I'm waiting on God, I'm between God and the situation. He understands I'm frail and I wrestle with these things. So he's not mad at me because I'm, waiting on him, looking at my watch all the time. But he's saying, Jim, there's a better place for you. And that's to wait inside me. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? You know, they were having a church picnic, right? right? And they were, everybody was preparing, you know, banana pudding and banana pudding and banana pudding. And they were making some fish sandwiches. And, you know, I don't know what else they were making. They were, they were having a meal, right? It was, it was good stuff. And Martha was busy... In the kitchen. She had the pots and pans out. She had the oven on. She had the microwave going, right? She had the juicer going, the blender going, the Instapot going. She had it all going. And that was good stuff. And she was busy. Martha, where was Martha? Where was Mary? She was just sitting with Jesus, just listening to what he had to say and just talking about it. And Martha came to complain. Right? Jesus, why don't you make her get up and help me? That sounded like a... Brother and sister thing, doesn't it? Right? Why, why have I got to wash the car? Right? Why have I got to wash the car? I see parents looking at their children right now. <laughs> it's okay. You can look at them. Look at them twice if you want to. Whatever it takes to make them obey. And Jesus said, Mary's chosen the best thing. Mary's chosen the best thing. So in that situation, in that scenario, the situation was food needed to be prepared. Mary's in between... The situation of God, patting her foot, looking at the watch. I got this turkey's going to be ready. I need somebody to help me carve this thing. Where's Mary? I need some help. All right? What do you think Mary and Jesus were talking about? Do you think they were talking about turkey or dressing? They're probably talking about nana pudding, but do you, <laughs> what do you think they were talking about? Well, we don't really know, but I'm 100% Sure. They weren't talking about the meal. They weren't talking about whether the utensils need to be put on the table. They weren't talking about the turkey or the banana pudding or anything else. The napkin. They weren't talking about that. They weren't talking about the situation. Here's the thing. When you are in Christ, you don't talk about the situation anymore. Why? Because it's not important when you're in the presence of Jesus. It's just not important. It's important in life. It's important to you. But when you're in the presence of Jesus, Jesus takes all the focus away from the situation. And he puts it on himself and says, I just want you to learn with me for a few minutes here. Will you spend some time in me, in Christ, learning about me? Because once we learn about Jesus, when we go back into the real world, back into the kitchen and help Martha get things done, we have a better perspective on what's really taking place. The psalmist in Psalm 73 was, was having one of those days. It was a bad day. He had picked up the newspaper. He had been on the Internet. He had his phone out. He was reading the news, and rich people were getting richer, right? Rich people were getting richer, and we needed to tax them. Sounds like Democrats, right? Mm-hmm. And then he started complaining about the bad people, and how bad they are, it sounds like Republicans, right? We've just got this same thing going on back in Psalm 73 as it is today. People griping and complaining about who's not doing what. And he was lamenting the fact that, that the bad guys live longer than the good guys. And they die richer than the good guys. Why is that? Why is that? And the Bible says this great passage of Scripture. It says, until I entered Until I entered the sanctuary of God and realized their end. Until I entered the sanctuary of God, I didn't understand what was really going on. You see, the psalmist somehow entered the sanctuary of God and God said, look, you don't understand, Jim. That rich person, that poor person, that Republican, that Democrat, that Independent. Without Christ, they're all going to hell. And the psalmist says, oh, and then I understood their end. You see, sometimes when we get in the presence of God, he rearranges our thinking. And we realize it's not about the situation. It's about eternity. So what must I do about eternity? With this person that's causing this situation, they're, maybe they're going to die and go to hell if I don't, be more like Christ to them in some way. Share Jesus with them in some way. The psalmist entered the sanctuary and when we enter the sanctuary of Jesus, when we enter the sanctuary of this person called Jesus and we're invited to, when we enter the sanctuary, we get a whole nother view of what's going on. Jesus says, if you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. If you remain in me, you'll bear fruit. So how do we remain in him? How do we abide in him? I like that word abide better than the word remain. It was an earlier word that was used. But how do we abide in Christ? How do we abide in him? Three things. The first thing is you need to answer the door. Revelation 3.20 Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and and if any man will open the door, I will come in and have A fellowship meal with it. It's the words words based around a meal there. I will come in. The first thing you need to do is just answer the door. Just answer the door. We're so busy with our lives nowadays. We we, we don't answer the door. Do you answer your door when the doorbell rings at your house? Do you look at your little ring device to see who it is first, or your little camera? If you're at work and you've got one of those rings and somebody rings the doorbell, do you look at it and punch the button and start talking to them? Did you see the video or the story like three weeks ago where this person had put the ring, one of those ring-type devices? I don't think it was the ring, but it was one of those. And he put cameras on the outside of his house so he could monitor everything. And he came home, and got out of his car, and walked to his car, and the camera up there started talking to him. It's got one of those things you can talk to it. And it was somebody that had hacked into his house security system and was mocking him and making fun of him. I mean, just going off on the guy. Well, the guy he was going off of was a police officer, right? <laughs> so he calls another police officer, and she shows up, and they're standing there just laughing their head off at this guy talking to him, And he's trying to be all tough and everything. And he says, I've, had you, I've hijacked your system. You can't get it back until I give it back to you. <laughs> and they couldn't do a thing. Standing outside in the driveway. It's a great clip. You ought to watch it. Be careful what you bring into your house. Somebody's always watching. Sometimes we just need to answer the door. So the first step in abiding in Christ is simply answer the door. Jesus says, I'm knocking, I'd like to come in, I'd like you to come in to me, I'd like for us to have communion together, I'd like for us to have a meal together, but you've got to answer the door. Some of us are afraid to answer the door because we think God's going to send us on a mission trip somewhere that we, want, we don't want to go, right? right? And he might. You know, God, God's kingdom is so much more complicated on, on our side of things. And it's so easy on his side of things. We don't understand why people get moved from here to here to there to there and sent on mission trips, and their life gets disrupted as far as they are understanding. But on God's side, it makes perfect sense. He knows what's going on. So when Jesus knocks on the door, answer it. Just show up and answer it. Who is it? It's Jesus. Oh, what's up, Jesus? What what do you adore? Because I love you. And I'd like to have a conversation with you. Can can I come in? First thing is answered. The second thing is, accept the invitation. Accept the invitation. John fourteen, twenty three. Jesus says then my father and I will, will make our home with you. My father and I, not just me, but my father and I will make our home with you. Now that's profound. The God of all creation, who created all that we see and all that we know, says, I'd like to have a biscuit with you. Would that be okay? Would that be okay? I'm here to tell you, if you come up to me today and invite me out to eat, go eat some banana pudding, (laughs) I'm probably going to say yes. No, I know I'm going to say yes, right? If you ask... Taylor Roark in the back to go eat Mexican, do you think she's going to turn you down? (laughs) If you ask Daniel Kruger to go eat anything, do you think he's going to turn you down? (laughs) I mean, come on now, right? Some immediate yeses. Accept the invitation. Yes, I would like to eat with you. You don't have to be comfortable with what Jesus is going to say. You don't have to just say, let's eat. Let's just start there. Can we just eat together? Sure, I'd like that, Jesus. And so you have a meal. And the third thing is, is at that point you have to adjust your focus. You have to adjust your focus. You have to answer the door, accept the invitation, but you have to adjust your focus. You have to realize the situation is not the issue. It's tough. Life is tough. Bad things happen. But when you're having a meal with Jesus, Jesus says, that's, that's not the issue right now. And you have to adjust your focus. You have to realize you're not the center of the universe. We call it narcissism. And it's manifest in a thing called selfies. Right? And influencers. Did you ever think a job, being an influencer, would ever be a job 10 years ago? I'm an influencer. So what do you influence? I don't know, i strip down mostly naked and hold up something in my hand and get paid for it. It's an influencer, right? You don't see a whole lot of men influences, have you noticed that? It's mostly female influencers wearing bikinis, right? Right? Are you influenced by that? I'm gonna get me a bikini and go become an influencer. What do you think? <laughs> think it'll work? It'll take a miracle. <laughs> That would not be pretty. (laughs) My wife said that. (laughs) Oh, man. I digress. (coughs) We have to adjust our focus. We're not the center of the universe. I remember when 9-11 happened. A long time ago now, doesn't it seem like And everybody was talking about, oh, my God, it's just the the worst thing that's ever happened in the world and all this outrage and angst. And and it it appeared that that was the center of the universe, that Jesus was coming back tomorrow because of that. It wasn't the center of the universe. As bad as it was, it wasn't the center of the universe. But it felt like it at the time. We're not the center of the universe. Jesus is. And when he invites us to a meal, what he's trying to demonstrate is, hey, I'm, I'm the center of the universe. Uh, so, so, what else you got to say? He tries to help us reframe our lives and to see things clearly as they are. Most amazing thing, the God of the universe comes down and has a meal with us. That's profound. That'll take care of all situations in our mind, at least for a moment, and say, oh wow, I'm, I'm talking to the God of the universe, having a meal with him. How to change the way we see things. So answer the door. Accept the invitation and adjust your focus. You see, it's not the situation, it's the Savior. It's not the problem, it's the provider who will provide you in that situation. And it's not the issue, it's Emmanuel, God with us. In this scripture we read, we find that Jesus is the source of all spiritual life. He says, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, right, then you will bear much fruit. You'll bear some fruit, much fruit, more fruit, a bunch of fruit. Jesus wants you to bear fruit. Now, there's a conversation going on. It's been going on for years about what the fruit is. Some think it's Galatians 5, 22, 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, so forth. The fruit of the Spirit. Certainly that's true. Some people think it means winning people to Jesus. That's a great thing to do. Proverbs eleven thirty: He that winneth souls is wise. Right? It's a great verse. But that's not what this is talking about. Jesus is saying, I am the source, but I'm also what's in the fruit. You see, what we bear is Jesus. We take in Jesus through the vine, the branches, that illustration. We take in Jesus and we produce Jesus. Listen, we produce Jesus through grape skins your skins. We produce Jesus through our flesh and bone. With our personality, our likes and our dislikes, our understanding, our ignorance about things, whatever it is. Jesus says, I want to produce myself through you. Once again, that's a profound thing. Jesus says, I'm going to pick Jim and I'm going to try to produce myself through him. Isn't that an amazing thing? He can say, Jim's Jim's dumb. I'm not using him at all, right? No, he says, I'm I'm going to choose Jim. I'm going to choose Suzanne. And as long as Suzanne remains in Christ, and he's flowing through the vine, through the branches, producing fruit, Jesus is going to produce himself through Suzanne in Suzanne's skin, through her grape skins. Isn't that beautiful? So, We can wait on God, we can wait with God, or we can wait in Christ. And as we wait in Christ, we begin to produce more of Christ in our lives and through our lives to the people around us. That's what it means to be a Christian. Just let Jesus flow through you to others. And listen, that can be at any age and stage. It can be the two-year-old grandson in the building, the four-year-old soon to be five-year-old grandson in the building. He's going to be a whole hand. Mm -hmm. It can be the 11-year-old granddaughter or the 13-year-old grandson. It can be a man or a woman, a child. If we (coughs) abide and invite Jesus to manifest, to reveal Himself through us, He will. Just ask answer the door accept the invitation and then adjust whatever you have to adjust so that you can produce more fruit Amen let's pray Father thank you for this beautiful scripture thank you for your beautiful plan that you reveal yourself through us to others Jesus as we share communion this morning it represents the fruit of the vine grape juice represents your body broken for us thank you thank you jesus for dying for us for coming back to life and for living in us thank you jesus jesus we invite you now to have your way with us we we accept your invitation this morning right now we accept your invitation we gladly adjust our lives to your will. Make us a vessel as we've sung before. Make us a vessel producing new wine through us. So come Holy Spirit now and have your way with us. Mold us, shape us, correct us, teach us, direct us, comfort us, encourage us. Come Holy Spirit, have your way with us. and Whatever that looks like. We just invite you Holy Spirit to come have your way with us this morning in the name of Jesus Emmanuel God with us we pray Amen